Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Buckets brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Brandon Anderson. He's NBA Futures Analyst at the Action Network, and this is your Southwest Win Totals Division Preview. We're going to give you best bets on win totals today, on division plays, seeding opportunities, best bets today for how to bet the Southwest division. We're going team by team, starting with the Southwest. Brian and I are going to be doing, well, we're going to be talking to each other too much as we go through these over the next couple (laughs) of weeks. Uh, Leading up to the NBA debut of the season, Brandon has recovered. We meant to do this a little bit earlier, but Brandon, um, because he has so much to say, literally talked his voice out. And so gave him a couple days to recover. He's feeling better. I'm glad to hear it, buddy. Uh, How you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. I, I I always am excited to do these podcasts and talk through teams, but on this one in particular, we're literally like two weeks past when we initially were wanting to do them because of timing and my voice and all the fun. So I am just like chomping at the bit or champing at the bit, whichever one you want to do. I, I'm at the bit. I'm ready to talk about all the teams and I'm ready for NBA action and I'm ready to watch like three days of basketball and get super excited and be like, okay, so football, see you in a couple of months when all my bets are doing great. So let's do it. <laughs> a reminder, everything we talk about can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. You got this podcast, Big Bets on Campus. If you're following college football, Stucky and Colin been killing it. The Action Network podcast, you got all the guys on there, including Brandon. You got Stucky and Raybon, Sunday Six Pack. So much stuff. Check out the favorites as well. Also in the app, you'll be able to find my win totals breakdown for every single team. Uh, I have... I'm way, I am deep into it, uh, have gotten quite a few of them done. They'll be published on the site here in the next coming weeks before the start of the season. So make sure to check that out as well. I also want to remind you to check out our YouTube page. Go to youtube.com and just search for the Action Network and make sure that you check it out. Like and subscribe and you can check in our live shows as well as all of these podcasts in video form. So you can see Brandon and I making faces at one another when we disagree with each other. <laughs> all right, Brandon, we're going to start with the Southwest Division today. We'll give our best bets at the top, and then we'll go through each team and talk about why we do or do not have a bet on them. What are your best bets for the Southwest Division? So I got bets on four of the five teams here, and these are in order of bet confidence. So most confident first. I love the Grizzlies. You and I both love the Grizzlies. Give me the Grizzlies over 45 and a half, minus 110. I've got other seeding and, and other like related long shot bets with that. We'll get to those. Spurs, give me the under 30 and a half on the Spurs. That's my second. Give me the Mavs over 44 and a half, and then I'll take the Rockets under 31 and a half. That one's at plus 100. A lot of bets for you on this pod. You have strong feelings on this one. I have one singular best bet, and I'm with you. I'm in alignment on them. The Memphis Grizzlies over 44 and a half. Uh, I think that there's absolutely like it's lunatic what this number is. It's 45 and a half in the market. Uh, the average number in the market actually on the Memphis Grizzlies is 45.3. So you can find some ones that are in the 44 range. Um, 
like Brandon, I have bets on them for the division. I have bets on them for number one seed in the Western Conference. I have there is a a conference seeding six and a half number out there, which is yeah. a plus number that's absolutely ridiculous. That just about everybody in on, on action uh, hammered when I brought that to the table. So we're very high on the Memphis Grizzlies, and I actually do not have any other division bets uh, in this division. This this one I think is really sharp, and there's a lot of teams that I. The, the variance of what can go on is too great, and there's not a great way to bet them, and we'll talk about that as it goes along. Let's start, Brandon, with the Memphis Grizzlies. So, Jaw suspended the first 25 games. That's not great. Yeah. Not 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 good. Don't 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 want to have Ja Morant out, the best player on the team, out for that duration of time. However, however, um, it's really notable that this number is basically like. They're treating Jaw as if he is maybe not Jokic or Embiid, but this definitely treats Morant, and I guess Dylan Brooks to a certain degree, but it treats Ja Morant especially like on the level of, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a of a B-level player that it was a Carl Anthony Towns or an Anthony Edwards or somebody in that kind of a range, like a key missing guy to really drop the win total down, except that the the Grizzlies play at a 54 win pace without him. In 2021-22 they were 20 and 5. Last season they slid, but they still wound up over 500 straight up at 11 and 10 without Morant. And that's because the defense gets way 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 better. They allow three fewer points per 100 possessions over the past two seasons when Morant's not on the floor. So the offense goes up, but the defense gets way better and guess what they added? They added Marcus Smart who by the way, still a really elite defender. Smart slid a little bit last year to the point where I have the Porzingis over Smart upgrade for the Celtics before the Drew Holiday deal as significant. We'll talk about that when we get to Boston later on. Um, but this team is still going to be elite defensively. It doesn't matter how Jaron Jackson looked in FIBA. That's FIBA. This is the NBA. Jaron's a monster. Even if you think the Bama DeBio or Brooke Lopez or somebody else should have won the award, Jaron was more than, than rightful to win that award. And Jaron is one of the most impactful defenders in the NBA. They get Steven Adams back. People do not understand how big of, a, of an addition Adams is because of how he operates in this offense, how he opens things up for other guys, and what he does on the defensive end. Just in terms of a simple having a drop defender that can ably do these things, and a good rebounder who Jackson got killed for his rebounding. Guess what? doesn't matter as much when he's next to Steven Adams, who is an absolutely uh, excellent guy not only in terms of like grabbing boards but more in boxing out to allow other guys to grab them this is like the key trend for me brandon i expect this to be a top three defense in the league it was top three last season top three defenses are 25 7 and 1 to the over in the last 11 years so that's if the win total is below 50 25 7 and 1 to the over it's absolutely phenomenal if you are not expected to win 50 games because 50 is a very key number you're going to hear me harping on that consistently uh you tend to go way way like the over rate is great if you're a top 10 top three defense i think they're gonna be a top three defense i'm i think desmond bain is going to absolutely explode this season i think that people do not understand how good he is there's word coming out that Zaire Williams actually looks like he's made a real leap. Now it's preseason stuff, but I'm at least open to it, which would take away one of my few reservations about the team. This number is preposterous. It overestimates the jaw absence. Love this bet. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. And I, I think the jaw absence thing is really the key angle for me because I, I focus a lot on, okay, who's coming in? Who went out? Where are the minutes balance looking at? And I think we're looking at even the even the John Morant suspension. I think we're looking a little bit wrong. We're seeing it 25 games. Well, he already missed eight games suspended last year that like I'm kind of just counting as like, all right, well, that offsets part of that. And he's not going to play all 25 in a row. We're going to miss some of those games injured anyway. Like, mm -hmm. I think we're really missing like 15 jaw games at the start of the season, not the 25. So that's material because here's what's back by my estimation. We don't know with injuries, but looking at last year, where they lost a lot of injuries to other guys. I think we're going to get 10 more games of Desmond Bain this year. I'm going to get 10 more games of Jaron Jackson this year. We're going to get probably 20 more games of Steven Adams, who is really, really important to what this team does. Not in the playoffs. We're going to bet up against in the playoffs, but in the regular season, rebounding, setting screens, doing what they do well. Luke Kennard was really good for them last year. 
They only got him mid-season. They're going to get like 40 more games of Luke Kennard. So subtract Jaw 15 games, but add in 40 Kennard, 20 Adams, 10 Jaron, 10 Bain. This is a hugely positive equation overall for Memphis, not a negative one. And I think that the books are treating it negative here with, with uh, Jaw out. So uh, also, you know, I think the smart switch from Dylan Brooks is a significant upgrade. I am not a Dylan guy. We don't need to get into that, but I think it's an upgrade defensively and I think it's an upgrade offensively as well. So I like that a lot. This is my number one defense, like number one with a bullet, really. You said top three. I'm taking it a step further. I I just have them in a tier alone at the top defensively. I don't know how much I love them offensively. Like, you know, I do my ranges on ratings. I have them in basically 10th to 20th offensive, like around middle of the pack. So you would think that that shouldn't be like, wow, this juggernaut team. But if you're number one defensively, you're going to hear this a lot on these win total podcasts. I love my regular season defensive teams. Like if I really like your defense, I'm probably going over. And this is the team who I love the defense. I have Memphis at 56 wins, 56 wins. That is more than double digits above where we're at here. I have them as tied for the best record in the league. I have them as the West one seed by five games, like coasting into the West one seed. So I love the over. You mentioned some of the other bets. So here's the odds of what I like in the other bets. Uh, One seed, I see a 20 to one on the one seed. Again, I have them the one seed by five games. So 20 to one normally to me is like a half unit or maybe a quarter unit. This is a full play for me. Like I would rather play just the one seed than the over because like that number is way off to me and most wins. So one seed in the East as well, 55 to one. I, uh, I would prefer Boston. We'll get there. But if it's the one seed, I'm obviously playing the 55 to one as well. So I'm doing a full unit on both of those. Um, Taylor Jenkins, by the way, who we love, we've done a lot of Memphis, Matt. We've done, I gave out Taylor Jenkins for coach of the year. Were you on Jenkins as well? Or was that just me? Just you for now. Okay. So I, I did Jenkins for that. I had Jaron for defensive player of the year. That's probably my favorite awards bet of the year. I got Desmond Bain for most improved. If the Grizzlies are bad, I'm going to lose a lot of money this year because I'm playing all the angles on the Grizzlies. Of course, they're going to win all the awards. Taylor Jenkins is 4-0 to the over by 8.3 wins on average. Taylor Jenkins is obliterating expectations year after year after year. And we always get to him like, oh, yeah, the Grizzlies, they're over outperformed expectations again. Yeah, so let's bet on it. So, uh, yeah, I like the over. The, the I want to talk about two of the bets that we mentioned here. So you mentioned the seeding, 6.5 seed. And last I saw, it's, it's plus money to the under. Seeding is always complicated. Under six and a half seed is good. That means you're a top six seed. Your seed number is one through six. So in this case, you went straight into the actual playoff, right? You you are above the play-in race, which is significant. If I have them as the one seed by five games over the, like, should I not even play the over-under? And should I just be playing the better juiced top six seed? Why bother with, like, how can they be under 45 and a half, but still be a top six seed? I feel like that's in play. So why not just play the top six seed instead if I have that available? Uh, I think, I think one of the problems there is it's a two-way street in terms of the, the, the seating is by its very nature, a parlay. It's sure. Memphis will finish with more wins than, than this team and this team and this team. It's basically <laughs> like head, it's a, it's a parlay head to head multiplier, right? Um, is there like a scenario where we're wrong and they struggle more with jaw because they did lose Tyus Jones, who a lot of people are concerned about? And or there's an injury early in the season and they wind up getting to 47 or 46 wins. But the West is actually not the way that it's not only are we projecting it, yeah. but this is how the books are projecting it. The, this is a very important thing. The books are projecting a truncation of everybody in the West that it's like, for example, uh, this is tied for the fewest number of teams under uh, 25 wins on the win total that we've ever seen in the league, or at least in the last, last 11 years. Like the, There are very few instances of there only being like one team 
that is projected as low as we have some of these teams this year. And so what we have is uh, a real truncation. Is it possible that it's like Memphis 46 and then Dallas, New Orleans, Golden State, Phoenix, Denver, right? Or whatever teams you want all in like 47 to 52. That's that's or or even 46 with a tie break. So like my thing is I don't sure. I don't think that there's I think it's good for you to bet the different ways on this one. I think it's yeah. good to take like I love the 20 to 1 um that's out there for for number 1 seed. I got it 30 and then bet it again at 20. Um I think that that's a great bet because I I have them at 50 wins. I don't have them as high as you, but I have them at 50 wins and that's still number 1 in the west because my model kind of follows with what the books are saying which is like we're going to see this truncation. Like I have the best yeah. team in the western conference, the Grizzlies at 50 wins it's not a lot but the idea is that there's very few teams that are going to be so bad because there's just an expectation of 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 that we've kind of seen that a trend towards that for a number of reasons more parity lottery odds play in tournament etc so i i think the the plus number i think is really good but i don't necessarily think it's like play this not that i think this is more of Let's treat the over under as a basis, and then bet the wind and bet these derivatives off of that as a means for it. Is is what I personally think about it. Yeah, I think that, that I think that makes sense overall, and I think that that's effectively the method I'm going with here. As I mentioned, the like 18 other ways I've bet the Grizzlies with the players, the awards, and the one seed, and all of that. I I, I want to finish with this with the Grizzlies. The one way I think I'm not going to play them, and you mentioned this among your best bets, I think I'm not going to play the division odds actually. So I see a plus 160. As you would imagine, the math is overwhelmingly in my favor by my numbers that I should be playing that. But I don't think I need the division here. I, I think nope. that's one way I don't need to play this because of the variance thing. Because specifically in this division, we talked all last year, Pelicans. Pelicans, what are the Pelicans going to be? Is it the high? Is it the low? I don't really know. And I think the Mavs kind of trend that direction as well this year. It, it would not shock me to see the Grizzlies win 46, 48, 50, but the, the you know, Luca Kyrie thing works or just the Pelicans stay healthy and, and hit, hit. Like, I just, at plus 160, I don't think I need that one. I have enough other ways to win on the Grizzlies, so I'm going to pass on the division. But what did you make of the division angle here? Yeah, I'm with you on this. Like, I think, let me put it this way. I like the bet inherently because of where I have them projected, but I agree with you that plus 150 is not a great number for this. Um, because in, in essence, what I don't really understand with this is the books are saying simultaneously that Dallas is at 44.6 Memphis is at 45.3. So it's within a game, um, of, of this happening and the, the Grizzlies are favored. Like, I don't like the hold. I don't like the position. I don't like, to me, it's just like, there's better ways to bet it. I think you're totally right there that there's just better ways to approach this i we do need to move on but you know what i i do want to take one more second to talk about this because you mentioned the offense i don't feel like i need to convince you more on the grizzlies but i did kind of want to have, get your thoughts on the offense because one thing i'm very big on is that people do not understand what luke Kennard is going to do here mm-hmm. and marcus smart to be perfectly honest with you because people are just going to go like yeah but marcus smart's not a good shooter okay He's a great playmaker. Marcus is a great, especially as a secondary playmaker, as a guy that makes the extra pass off of somebody else initiating. He's really good in that role. The numbers with Luke Kennard in the half-court offense after the trade were great, <sighs> and they only had a half year to do that. So I'm really bullish on Memphis's offense this year as well. I genuinely think that Taylor Jenkins kind of recognized we got to like, we got to fix this. There's been talk in camp of it's one of the reasons I'm kind of glad that we waited on this podcast is because we've gotten a little bit more information after training camp and preseason. There's a little bit of talk of, uh, about that Jenkins has really focused on restructuring the offense. I think there's an understanding that that has to improve. The talent is there for the offense to be good. They needed to build in better mechanisms and add another shooter. They've done that. So I would say that there's probably there's a possibility here that I I can't say that you're under that you're still underselling them, but maybe it provides like a little bit of of leeway where if the defense isn't as good as you projected to be, the offense might genuinely be better. Sure, yeah, I think that that's fair. 
I think to me, like when you led at the top with John Morant and the players that you were comping him to, and you said, okay, he's not Jokic, he's not Embiid, and then you like pause searching for who who's the player. You came up with Cat and and Ant. I, I think you dropped way too far. Like I I, I thought you were going to come with like Kevin Durant or something like. Like by by the advanced metrics, like Jaw's really good. So I think this is just me acknowledging, all right, they're gonna lose offensively a lot with the games that Jaw is out. But you're right, Kennard was really good with them last year. Uh, I do like the smart thing where Dylan's gonna shoot his bad shots just like Smart will. He's gonna replace those. Like, I just get to shoot this now. I'm Marcus Smart, I'm shooting. He's gonna do that. But Dylan is a ball stopper. Marcus is gonna move the ball and like improve the offense in that way. So yeah, we're, we're all on the Grizzlies. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Let's do... uh... San Antonio quick over under of 30 and a half uh, in the market. The consensus on them is actually uh, there it's dropped and it's now down to there's a 28.6 average in the market right now Ooh. on San Antonio. So it's moved a little bit down um, since I think you did the projections. Um, where do you have San Antonio projected on either side and what on offense and defense? And why do you like the under bet? Yeah, I think for me, this is almost slightly uninteresting and that is just kind of an easy under read for me I think we're just trying a little too hard to expect too much from a Manyama too soon this is not me saying he is a bust he's the wrong pick it's none of those things he's a rookie he's a rookie who's going to need to take some time and, and look he's not a Tim Duncan rookie and he's not a David Robinson rookie he is not the same age as those guys Tim Duncan played four years in college David Robinson was like a grown man when he came into the league already Weminyama is not that player. And so really, he's the big swing from last year. Last year, this team finished 29th on offense, 30th on defense. And not only that, they didn't really add much. They're going to get a little more Devin Vassell this year, who I like. But otherwise, it's mostly the same team. They lost Jakob Pertl, who I think is really pretty good, especially defensively. They lost 45 games of him last year, 46 games. So not the end of the year, but they got that. That's in the ratings already. I don't really know how much of an improvement rookie year Weminyama is over what they got from Pirtle last year. Like it's an improvement, but I don't, is it a, oh my gosh, we're in the 30 wins range now. And it's important where this number is at, at that like high twenties, low thirties, somebody's going to lose games and, and like get their draft pick up at the end of the year. We're not, you talk about the truncation. We're not going to have every team in the 30s and 40s. Like, that's just not how this is going to go. Somebody's going to lose games at the end. And I think the Spurs are the team, like, among the West options. We're going to have a team or two that bottoms out with some injuries, I'm sure. But I, I think Wemby, we get maybe 50 to 60 games. I think he's probably a neutral, a slight positive player as a rookie, which is a huge compliment. That would be awesome for a rookie to be a slight positive. I just don't think adding a slight positive to last year is enough to move the needle. So. Pop is for his career 18 and 7 to the over. So I don't love that. However, 
since Kawhi's last full year there, just three and three. So I think we can look back at these, this last group of Spurs seasons and agree that like, all right, well, you had Duncan, you had Kawhi, you had the dynasties. This is a different era we're in. A Spurs fan would probably say, yeah, now we got Wemby. We're in the new era now. I think you're right. I think we're just a, a year or two early on it. So I'll take the under. So I have this, I, I lean under, I have him projected at 27 and a half and there is a, no, a 30 and a half in the market. So if you find that a little bit more confident on the under there, uh, the market average of 28 and a half, it's a no play for me. And even at 30 and a half, it's not, I'm just not excited to bet it. Like, yes, I probably <laughs> yeah. lean that way, but I'm not excited for it on the pop front he dealt with the lingering effect of the aura, right? Like, well, we're yeah. going to bump the Spurs up because they always overperform. Well, you probably shouldn't have done that with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. And then it shifted into outright, let's try and lose to improve our draft stock, right? Um, I did the, the deep dive on this and I watched a lot of Asell and Keldon Johnson. And there's a lot to like here. The other yeah. thing is that when you really kind of get like, I upgraded them, trying to figure out how to, much to upgrade them to, for over last year is an interesting exercise because you have to factor in their efforts to literally get worse. One of the things that I make in the case for the over is essentially that if you dig into the metrics, they are not a team that looks like they're a disaster. It's hmm. interesting because the number one correlated stat, this is like basketball on paper, widely accepted in the analytics community, and this is not going to surprise anybody. The number one correlated factor in winning is effective field goal percentage. <laughs> Do you shoot? Do you let the opponent shoot, right? Like, this isn't complicated. This game has always been about buckets. However, for me, in determining team's floor and ceiling, a lot of it gets into these other factors. Are you turnover prone? Do you play sloppy? Do you foul a lot? What about offensive rebounds? Do you get killed there? Do you have structure? How's your pick and roll defense? Everything with the Spurs basically looks like this was a team that could be good if it wanted to and chose not to. You mentioned Pirtle. The defense was 1.3 points worse with Pirtle on the floor than off-court last season. That's not a huge difference, especially when we factor in what that ha- what, what the kind of lineups that they were looking at. But what I do think is kind of interesting is when you get into the lineup data, it looks different. When you get into the lineup data, this is basically what you see, Brandon, is, oh, hey, like they were pretty competitive. They added Pirtle. Oh, they fell off a cliff. And that's weird because like I like Pirtle a lot. But for whatever reason, Pirtle with this group in particular last year, they were considerably worse in those in the, under those conditions. Um, also, Pirtle doesn't grade out well under defensive EPM for last season. Didn't look good under under those conditions either. So we kind of have the situation where um, Wembenyama. This is the thing. What does Wembenyama do? Now, I, I reason I'm not like, but so you should bet the over. They don't have any spacing. They still don't have shooting. Yeah. Are they magically going to just shoot better? And if they can't shoot, they can send more defenders at Wembenyama, and that breaks the whole thing here. The idea should be that Wembenyama's physical presence makes it easier for everybody else, and at least they benefit from his presence. But if they can't do anything, teams can for- focus more on Wembenyama, and those other guys still can't do anything, and you're still kind of left with an offense that's terrible. Um, teams that are that are in this kind of spot historically have not, like, I'll say this, the trends are are not, like, overwhelmingly um, built on the idea that this is, like, a good underplay. It's basically, the the concept is mostly that if you are this bad, you do tend to go over, like, a little bit as, as time goes on, just because it's hard to be that bad consistently. Um, we can move on, but did you have anything that you want to kind of address uh, as far as that yeah, goes? No, I think the main thing is, I, I think with Wemby, like it would not surprise me at all to see the Spurs make it out of the bottom 10 defensively. They were dead last last year. Some of that is on purpose, right? Some of that is just leaning into the tank. Like all the little things you listed off about, they did, did they defend the pick and roll, right? And are they in the right spot? Like that's yeah, pop, pop, pop. It's all pop. Yeah, like, yes, they're going to be a well-coached team that is going to do the right little things when they're trying to win, which they're probably going to do a lot more this year. I don't think they're all in on winning, but you know they're, they're going to try to turn the corner. I, I just don't see what the offense. And at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't be stunned if this team finished around league average defensively. And if they do, I think my number is 
is probably slightly in trouble. I think they end up around my 30 and a half then. I have them 20 to 27 wins. But for me, my confidence in the under is is that I don't see the offense, including Wemby right now. Long-term, maybe. Long-term, I like Keldon. I like Vassell. I don't, I don't love the guards on this team. I just I don't love the shooting. I have them 29th on offense. I have them basically locked into a bottom five offense here. So to me, that really limits the ceiling that you can get to. So I, I still like the under that way. Let's move on to the Dallas Mavericks. And this is like a, a I think a fascinating team to look at. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you kind of start here and let me know where do you have them offensively? Where do you have them defensively? And where do you think uh, they wind up and what's a play for you? So this is a tricky one for me because my whole thing about uh, effectively, normally I'm looking at last year's team and normally you add in like two or three dudes and you subtract two or three dudes. And I kind of like make little adjustments along the way. The Mavs, you don't really have a way to do that. Like it's two straight years now, we've basically like turned over the roster to, to build a new machine that we don't really know what it is yet. And I don't have a strong way of projecting what that looks like. So I want to talk this one through with you. I have them right now as the number two offense. I have them in like top eight offensively, but toward the top there. You got Luka and Kyrie. You're going to be pretty good offensively. Add them 18th on defense. And that one is really tricky because of reasons that we'll get to. So slightly below average. For me, that puts them around 47 to 53 wins. Their total is at 44 and a half. So I have to go over on that then. Even if we're right, and we'll kind of talk it through, even if I'm right that that's the right range, I'm not sure I need to go too crazy on an over here for the reason that we already talked about Luca is my best bet for MVP this year. If I'm right that he's really good and the offense is really good and they do win around 50 games, I would just rather invest my money in Luca MVP because we know he's going to be good. We know he's going to be awesome. The numbers are going to be there. And if they do win the 48-50 wins, that's just the angle that I need. So I, I don't know if I need too much on the win total. Here's where I got stuck a little bit, trying to think this through. So kind of thinking about the lineup from last year this year, we brought in Seth Curry for Reggie Bullock. I'm calling that kind of like a neutral switch out. We brought in Exum for Nilakina, similar to style player. Got in Rashawn Holmes for Christian Wood. I'm kind of calling all that a wash a little bit. So what we really did on this team is we got Dinwiddie out for Kyrie. That's pretty good. And we, I, what I really like about them defensively especially is a big power forward upgrade. We brought in Grant Williams, who I really like fitting on this roster. And they didn't get much from Maxi Kleber last year, who I think is a really important player for the team. Like he was bad and he was injured and it just wasn't working well. He, they might not get that again. That's kind of his story at this point. but. If they get more from him and Grant and upgrade that position, I think it unlocks a lot of what they're trying to do. So I need to ask this question of you. And, and we know I uh, don't watch a lot of the games early in the year. I'm, I'm on football a lot. So let me give you some splits on stats for Luca specifically. Because I noticed that I was looking through this team through end of the calendar year, through December 31 versus January 1 forward is a massive swing on what he looked like and what the team looked like. And I have theories of why it went that way, but it, it's my interpretation of this data is is what is driving my positivity. And if you you might be able to inform me otherwise on things I'm not seeing in some of the numbers. So December through December 31 last year, Luca is at 34 nine and nine, like crazy numbers. 62 percent true shooting, box plus minus BPM. He's at 11.9. He's the MVP. 34.99 on 12 BPM, you're the MVP. Like that's that those are MVP numbers. You're right there. The Mavs are plus 2.1 net rating. They're 21 and 16 through that period. That's through the end of the calendar year. January 1 forward, Luca drops to 30 and a half, 8 and 7. Pretty good still, but clear drop. 59 true shooting, 5.7 BPM, a clear drop from nearly 12. His encore rating is minus 15 in the minutes versus plus 143 before. Now, what I think is happening here is we're like, oh, yeah, well, they got Kyrie and they sucked. So why would we want to bet on that now? Only half of those 32 games were with Kyrie. 16 out of 32. The Mavs overall dropped from plus 2.1 net 
to minus 2.1 net in that span. And the defense cratered, like 113 to 119 defensive rating. So what happened? What, what happened January 1 forward? So here's what was really confusing, is the offense with Kyrie and Luka on the floor was absolutely inferno hot. It was absolutely insane. Like, it was so good. But what really kind of happened is that all of the other lineups got a little bit worse. Like, just like a little bit worse. Like, with Kyrie on the floor last year, they were plus 4.9 in net rating and minus 9.4 without Kyrie. And Kyrie was not the problem. It's the only time you'll ever hear me say those words is that Kyrie Irving was not the problem. But he really wasn't. He played really well. Um, however, if you look, if you go back and you look at it, you find this weird thing. They lost the minutes with Luca overall, and so what happened was they got absolutely destroyed in the Luca non Kyrie minutes for a number of reasons. But among them is they got like they got rid of all the defenders because, in part, the reasoning was like, well, the defense is bad anyway. It's not like if you get rid of good defenders, your defense gets gets better. Like, that's not how this works. I believe defense is systemic. You got still got to have guys that can do the thing. Kid moved away from Josh Green, even though he was really good and impactful for them. He His numbers with Kyrie and Luka were awesome, but he played less. Like, what I'm trying to tell you is that coaching made a very serious negative impact on this team as the year went on. The other thing I would tell you... um, I, I know some Mavs fans, and they're not. This is not all of them. There are certainly Mavs fans that disagree, and that's fine. I know some Mavs fans, and they firmly feel that Luka Doncic plays his way out of shape, which he's like the only player in the league that that happens with. Luka was coming off FIBA, came into camp in great shape last year, but by like January, you're like, man, he he looks stockier than he did at the beginning of the year. And that shouldn't be how it goes. It should definitely be the opposite, that you play basketball every single night for six months and you play your way into shape. It's what veterans have done forever. But for whatever reason, whether it's his off-court activities or diet or whatever, and supposedly he's resolved those things, and that should be better. But that's to me, is like the long answer on this, is that hmm. defense got impacted a lot by rotations, which were impacted by kids. And that Luca, I think, contributed that because his whining got worse as the year went on. And he was just unhappy and miserable and just like a complaining after every call, not getting back on defense, malcontent. Um, and it was bad. And the team was bad. And they they lost. They just lost their asses off with him and Kyrie together, which should not happen, especially when you look at the offensive ratings, when you're like, you guys touched the face of God offensively and you still could not win these games um so that's a, a long way of, of kind of pointing out that it's complicated but the, yeah. the long the short answer i think is coaching and luca not getting better as the year goes on so let me let me give you what my data specific interpretation how i took it and i want i'll give you a chance to respond to it because i'm willing to be talked out of this one i I'm not in love with betting on Luca and Kyrie. Let's just call it that. Like yeah, I didn't yeah. love landing on this over here. So that that January one forward drop I talked about from plus two net to minus two net, which is a massive swing. They dropped from eighth best record before to twenty fourth record afterward. To me, like you kind of said, to me it was all defense. The defense dropping like one eighteen point five from January one forward. That is a tragic tragic number for defensive rating like you almost have to try to be that bad so they stopped forcing turnovers as much they dropped from 15 to 12 percent so is that effort is that Luca and Kyrie aren't really trying I don't know is that a coaching thing I don't know I mean they take Maxi Kleber we, we, we got to reference that is like they literally shut it down so a lot of the numbers sure, in the back sure, half of yeah. the year are openly impacted by their desire to not win games yes yes so that, that that's definitely part of it. I probably should have looked at these numbers and cut them off like with two weeks left or something, but I don't have that right now. So what else happened in that span? Maxi Kleber missed most of January one forward. And I talked earlier about like, I think he's really important to the team. And now I think they're going to get most nights, 48 good, important minutes at the four from either Grant Williams or Maxi Kleber. So to me, 
That's a really key piece here because they missed that. Josh Green was really bad by a lot of the advanced metrics from January 1 forward. Now, why is that? Is it because he got benched and then didn't have regular minutes and couldn't make any shots and didn't have his rotation spot? Or was he playing poorly and not making shots and not doing well, and that's why he got benched? I don't know. You you think it's Jason Kidd's fault because we don't like Jason Kidd as a coach, and you're probably right on it. But and then and then because of that, we got a ton of Jaden Hardy, who is a trash can defensively until proven otherwise. So to me, that's what the data tells me is okay. Josh Green back in the lineup. He's going to get a big rookie extension coming soon. He's going to be a starter for them. Maxi Kleber back in the lineup. Grant Williams in the lineup. That's a lot of positive defensively on the team. And look, two years ago they were six in defensive rating. They're 109. Last year, they were 117, 24th. To me, the entire question is defense. We know the offense will be there. I like the bodies they have. I like the I like the offseason they had, to be honest. I thought they made pretty good moves. I thought they built the right pieces around the team. I don't inherently to to buy the team, I have to buy the defense. To buy the defense, I have to buy the coaching. I already had to buy Kyrie anyways. I'm I would not like to give my money to Kyrie and Jason Kidd, so I'm not excited about it, but my numbers tell me this is a pretty good-looking team. Yeah, I mean, look, my numbers do the same. I haven't projected at at 48, and that's after... My initial projection had them at, like, 49, second in the West. And that's based off of... I looked at what their, their rating was last year in my numbers, and then I was basically like, yeah, look, they added... Grant Williams and Seth Curry, and that's like a good addition. They had a good draft. I think that the there there was a, there was conversation on the Hoop Collective today out of ESPN about some unhappiness there with some changes that are being made by internally on the team. There's a lot of tension about the future with Luka Doncic. I think you've got Kyrie, who's an uncertain element for sure. But here's the other thing: they're starting Derek Lively. For now, I think Derek Lively's been, I think De- Derek Lively's going to be good, but boy, did he look overmatched versus Rudy and Cat, and that's a big lineup. But it's that's his problem most nights. Starting a rookie center as your rim protector is going to get you into a, into a lot of tricky situations. They want to play Omax. That's two rookies in the rotation. Jaden Hardy needs to develop. That's three young guys in the rotation. Like this is a team that's that's trying to like add young talent underneath Luca. And Kyrie, like that's the idea is like you got this is the new NBA model is two superstars, uh, like two to three role players and then young guys all the way down. But having a a starting center that's a rookie and if you say like, well, that won't be the case, it'll probably be Dwight Powell by midseason. It won't be Maxie. I'll tell you that. It won't be Maxie. It'll (laughs) be be, Dwight Powell. It's always Dwight Powell. The year 3000, the zombie apocalypse is here and Dwight Powell Powell is still starting starting at at center for the Mavericks. Still starting. I think. The floor on this team defensively is is really really low, and that's enough yeah, to be concerned true. about it. I want it like I want to ding them on offense and be like, "Can you really do this, Luca?" Because we have no indication they're going to move him more. It wasn't that way after the trade. It was mostly just they took turns, and it's still heliocentric. But the problem is like that works most nights in the NBA, and they put up like a one twenty four offensive rating. It just doesn't matter. They have too much talent. Yeah. Uh, Grant Williams, I think, is an interesting thing because we all fawned over that move. And I like Grant, and it's you're. I think you it's right. You're right to upgrade them. I think the problem is like, look, Grant was out of the rotation in Boston at one point. That's weird. He's not like Grant's not a. He's not PJ Tucker, which is like a, a pretty good comp for him, right? So if this doesn't work, and this is the other thing, this is the other thing with Kid is that some guys just are not his guys, yeah. and it's a problem. Like, they would have won more games last year, no matter how bad Christian Wood is, and he's bad. They would have won more games last year if they played Christian Wood more, but he didn't want to. Because JaVale was his guy, and he had to bail on it 10 games in. He installed JaVale McGee as starter and then had to bail on it 10 games in after the Mavs gave him a three-year deal. Like, I really can't stress how much that the coaching impact here alone should be a reason for you to probably... Just stay. I'm not advocating for the under. Yeah, I can't get there. But like the downsides of this team are huge. Like the capacity for this to be a garbage fire is high. Yes, agree. Capacity for them to be like a 48 (laughs) win four seed is decent. So I don't know. I don't know if it's worth a bet. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think I, I'm gonna downgrade. I'm gonna stay on the over, but I'm gonna downgrade from a bet to a lean. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to like a half unit play here. My my numbers are still so much higher that I'm gonna play just a little bit here and, and give people the option that if, if if you like if you like the upside version of the Mavs, I think you can still do this. But I mentioned like why not bet the Grizzlies division if I'm so high on them. This this is one of the reasons is. I think the Mavs are weirdly similar to what we did with the Pelicans last year and what I will do with them again in, in 10 minutes on this podcast, which is I don't want the median outcome. Like I, I do not think the Mavericks win 44 or 45 games. I do not think that like that's This is the wrong number by like seven wins in one direction. I just don't know which direction either. They're going to do what they did last year and like bottom out and be terrible. I agree. The dumpster fire potential is there the Luca Kyrie potential is there. Like if things work really yeah. well, they could work really well. So yeah. I think you're right that if that's the case, and we agree that betting win total, you're betting a median outcome for the most part. And like, that's why I like the Spurs under that's why I'm going to do the Rockets under and I'll transition to that. But I think you, you don't need a median outcome for the Mavs. I like the median outcome for the Rockets under 31 and a half. We did Rockets. This was one of my first plays on the summer podcast we did. So I don't have too much to add here. Look, they're going to be better. They're going to be better than last year. They added Fred Van Vliet. They added Dylan Brooks. They added Udoka. That's three floor raisers, absolutely, to the team. They're replacing a lot of young, bad minutes. They're replacing some of those minutes with more young, bad minutes from Amon Thompson and Cam Whitmore, guys who I like. But when you're young, it's going to be bad minutes for the most part. They are replacing, for good reasons, Kevin Porter Jr., who a lot of the metrics say was a pretty positive player comparatively for their team. K.J. Martin, who was maybe like the third or fourth best guy in the team by some of the metrics. Those guys are gone now. So I like Fred Van Vliet. Dylan Brooks is a positive floor raiser for a roster like this and a culture setter. I will give him credit for those things. Those are positive floor raising moves, but I don't think that they... They're like nudging the floor moves. They're not a, oh my gosh, we've added these guys. Look how amazing we are moves. So this to me is, again, more of a, a half unit bet only because I already got the better. I got the best of the number in the summer. So I don't, I'm not going to add too much to the position. I have the Rockets 26 on offense. I still don't see a big ceiling there. I have them 23rd on defense. That's the bigger improvement for them. They won in the last three years. 19, 20, and 22 games. So this is really a 10 wins better team than last year. I, I I can't get to 10 wins better. They've gone under five straight seasons, three times by six and a half wins. And then the last thing I love about this team, they don't own the rights to their draft pick this year unless it's in the top eight. They have a top eight protected pick. They want to win. I absolutely think that they would like to establish some win culture and get some wins. But at the end of the year, when you're sitting at like 27, 28 wins and the play-in race is, is 5, 10 wins ahead of you and, and, and reality kicks in, Houston's got good pieces and this is maybe their last chance to get the really high pick like they're, because they're going to be better because they're going to compliment Houston fans. Yay, positivity. You're going to be better in years ahead. This, I think, is the last chance to keep that top eight protected pick that switches the seconds otherwise. So that's why I'm on the under for the Rockets. It's top four protected via real GM. Really? Yeah. It's not eight. It's four. So it's top four. All right. Four well, that's, that hurts that cause a little bit. I'll have to double check on that and see. But either way, you're still going to want, if you're, it, again, the number here, I'll let you do the number. I have them at 31 and a half is the total that I had from my notes. It's It's right in that range of, like, I don't think you're going to win 30 games or 32 games. I think either you're above enough that you're going to push for the play in. Or you're not, and you're going to pull the plug. And like, even if it's a top four protected, you want to get as low as you can to increase your odds as best as you can to get that. So, yeah, th- this is not a, uh, in, in I think both the last two years, I was like the slam dunk grand slam rockets under guy. Like this was like my top play on the board. Yeah. It's not. I, I think it's a better team. They're improving. I still like the under. So I have them 32.9 just over at this point. I upgraded them a little bit after the deep dive. I have, I bet with you on the under and like, I regret the bet, but not like massively. I'm not like, what was I doing? I'm just like, 
this might hit. I might win this, but I don't, I definitely don't want to bet it now. And I, I, but I'm also not like, I'm going to bet the other way. I'm not coming back and correcting on that under bet. I'm not going to bet more on the over to compensate for that loss. I'm just going to leave it alone. A um, couple things. The floor that you talked about, it's, you're ignoring a few couple, a couple of things. And a lot of it, it's because your metrics approach is going to be based off of past and it can't, it's going to be limited, I think, in some ways. And sure. one of them is that the young guys are going to get better. Uh, Jabari Smith's going to be better. Alperin Shangun's going to be better. Uh, Tari Eason's going to be better. Jalen Green might be better. And that's an important one. And if there's even like the natural, just another year of NBA training and NBA experience makes them better, we then have to consider it from the coaching upgrade. Steven Silas is widely respected around the league. Everyone feels really bad for how things went. They think that this, like, he got hired to coach James Harden, and he wound up coaching this group. However, the same people that were like, it sucks, he's like a really good guy, and everyone really respects Steven Silas, were also like, he's probably the worst coach in the league last year. And whether that was direction from front office or an inability to handle the locker room, whatever it was, the results were terrible. And now Ime Udoka, who has, even if, like, the things ended badly in Boston, but it wasn't on the floor. They made the finals with him. And he's a guy that instills consistency and discipline. And he takes that from the San Antonio side where he spent several, several years, a long time with the Spurs organization. The floor it, it will instantly raise with the veterans, but it also raises with what Udoka will tolerate from the young guys and how he will make sure their structure and discipline on both sides of the floor. I don't know if that's enough to get it to 32 wins. Yeah. And that's the question here. You've mentioned this and this is like, this is it. This is it for me. Point blank. Where do you have them defensively? Because the gap is absolutely massive in terms of long-term performance in those areas. Bottom 10 defenses the year after being a bottom 10 are 46, 33 to the under. Bottom 10 defenses in that season. So if you, if, if you, if by the end of the year, you are a bottom 10 defense, 74 and 25 to the under. Yeah. If you are not above the 20 mark, you are going to go under. Can Houston go from one of the worst defenses in the NBA to 19th? That's like, that to me is literally how you should bet this is if you think they can get there, you should bet the over. If you don't, then you should bet the under. And if you're like me and you're like, man, I don't know, you should <laughs> stay away because that's, that's what I think is, is probably how I come out on this. Yeah, and no, I, I honestly, I think I agree with pretty much all of that. I agree with the, all the Adoka stuff and all the floor raising and, and just kind of come to the same conclusion as you, which is, yeah, that all made them a lot better, but did it make them 10 better? And defensively, I agree is the question. So they were 29th last year defensive rating, 29th the year before, 27th the year before. I think they're going to be better. I have them, I have ranges for everything, as you know. I have them defensively 18th to 26th. So it's in the range of outcomes. They can get to that 19th that you just talked about. Like that's, yeah. that is that is a non-shocking outcome for me. They still don't have a center to protect the rim. Like I, I really like Shangun a lot, but I know, I know the numbers are better than they look for him. He's no, still not going to be a great center. And Jabari is going to get better. I'll let you respond. Let me do my thing. Let me cook. I think the defense is going to be improved, but they don't. I don't think that they have that presence there. I don't like the guard defenders on the team. I know Fred's going to try, but he's old. He's small. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't love the perimeter defense here. There are pieces. There are things I like. I like where this team is going. By the way, to confirm, I double checked. I do have top four protected. I think I project them to finish with a top eight pick. And so like just the reason that still matters, top four protected, that's obviously the four lottery spots. If you are the 10th worst team, you got about a 12% chance of moving up. Eighth worst team, you dr- you jump to 30%. Sixth worth record, you're up to 40%. So like if you can only get the pick, if it's top four, then losing those last few games to drop a couple spots in the lottery makes a huge swing impact. And like is is Look, we like Houston's talent. We like what they're building. If they can have all of that and basically for free at a top four player to the mix, 
or maybe, maybe pushed, you probably missed the 10 seed anyway. I just think you got to do the math at that point. Like, this is not the reason I'm betting it. It is the icing on the cake of why I'm betting it. It's like, if it's going to be close, I think it's an actual reason to push down. I'm done on the Rockets. Do your responses. So on the center thing, uh, this is a sneaky one. Look, Jock Landale is undersized, and that's going to be a problem. Like, they will probably not be a great defensive team. However, he is was an elite pick-and-roll center last year. And, like, people will not believe that. It's because I, I went... I was so much in the disbelief. I did the film work. That's right. I took a day in the summer and did nothing but watch <laughs> Jock Landale defense on pick and roll. I test checks out, man. Uh, 90th percentile defending the pick and roll ball handler. He is absolutely terrific at containment. He is so good at contain in both drop at the level and in between, he's really good in those areas. The rim protection is going to be a problem. But just having a big that can contain the guard, that's going to help Shangun a ton. And if they put Shangun into that action, yeah, they're going to have problems. Like, they're going to have problems. They just are. I think that Jabari takes a big step up. Um, as well as, I would also say, Tari Eason's defensive numbers shine. Like, there's a great. lot of capacity. No. Yeah, there, there's a lot of belief that Tari Eason is going to be like, a really yeah. great defender. Tari's in this a league. dude. Um, the final thing I would say as far as your draft pick stuff, because you're doing the thing where you're like, teams will act rationally. I know, I know. If they if no, but this is the thing, man. If they were thinking, <laughs> we got to make sure we keep that pick. Why do you spend forty million dollars on Fred? No, Bambi I agree. I, I agree that right now they absolutely are not thinking that. I just I feel like the responsible leadership of a team right now. Get the guys and improve and, and, and be in the right direction. But five months from now or whatever months from now when it's like, okay, but now we're 27 and 50 and we have five games left. And I understand you you do this to me every year and correctly so. They might still do the Pistons thing and be like, let's win the five anyway. Winning culture. Let's do the thing. They might. This is absolutely a team that needs badly winning culture. They might be the team for that. I acknowledge that. I just have to do my thing. And I think that they're going to be low enough still that I don't mind the play anyways. But you're right to what you said, that this was a play that I jumped on in the summer. I I'll Also, I do not regret it, but especially now that the line has dropped and my confidence in their badness has dropped some, I, it's more of a lean than a play. I'm happy with my position from the summer. I'm not going to hedge out of it, but I'm not looking to add too much into it. Uh, Pelicans, neither of us have a play on, um, and I would love to bet the over. I would, I would love to, be, I even looked at, and I'm, maybe you found the angle cause you're really good at finding derivatives in the market. So I looked at like, what's the furthest win total over I can take and what's <laughs> like the worst seating situation or what's like the worst low, like win total alt low. I can't get it to anything that's that's passable from an EV standpoint. I don't, yeah. it doesn't account for the variance because the problem is, you kind of mentioned this earlier on the Mavericks of they're either, it's going to be wrong either way, but the issue is what if they're seven games over the win total for 40 games and they're seven games under the win total, the back half because they get injured and then you wind up right in that range. I can't even bet the derivatives on it. There's nothing to be done here. Trey Murphy is awesome. I am yeah. telling you now that Trey Murphy is going to be a guy that everybody's like, holy shit, Trey Murphy's really good. Yeah, he's all, I'm telling you now, he's really good. Herb Jones is, like, the defense is legit. There, He is not like Tony Allen. There's enough offense there for him to build into being a competent, playable role player. Uh, the lineups, when you have Larry Nance, Jose Alvarado, and Zion on the floor, they murdered teams they ran them off of the court in those minutes there's so much i love about this team they revamped by the way their entire training staff they brought in an entirely new <laughs> medical staff to manage this guess what trey murphy's out six weeks with an injury jose alvarado's missing training camp with an ankle like we already have these problems no. If you were able to tell me, I, like, I'm, if somebody, if you came back and were like, I will tell you one thing, and it's that Zion Williamson plays 70 games this season, and Jose Alvarado plays 60, 
I'm betting the over. I don't care about CJ McCollum. I don't care about Brandon Ingram. I only need Alvarado and Zion and Trey Murphy the third. That is all I need to bet the over. I can't get there. There's too much against it. Until this team proves to me that they can actually play in the majority of the games. This was the number one seed with a dominant point rating in December. And then their pets heads fell off. We were absolutely spot on with this team last year. But I, they have the worst injury luck I've ever seen. Away. <laughs> they do. And uh, shouts to Jose Alvarado from going from undrafted to being in, in the same breath for you as, as Zion with the guys. You got to have the games and the minutes out. Like he's, yep. he's, he's really good. He's really important for them, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to take the Zion. Just give me the Zion games number. That's all I need to know. I, I would love to be wrong about the sentence I'm about to say. You said 70 games for Zion. I don't. I would love to bet like the lifetime under on ever getting a seventy game season out of Zion. I just. I don't think we're getting a seventy game season from him ever, let alone this season. I hope I'm wrong. He's an awesome player. He changes everything on the court in a way that like I can't even describe what it does to the offensive metrics because there's there's nobody like him. But I have no idea what's in there. He played twenty nine games last year. This is like the stalewayest of all the West teams to me because. Because of Zion, because I have no idea what version of Zion is there and how much do we get. I don't love the roster construction. I like a lot of guys on this team a lot. I love the guys you mentioned, Trey Murphy, Larry Nance. I love Alvarado. I'm not big on Ingram and CJ. There's a reason we're not focusing much on them because I don't see them as major needle movers and in like the shape of what the team looks like. The problem for me is, to me, this is a collection of assets. I don't understand what the what the lineups are supposed to be. I don't get it. Like you got a bunch of one way guys, and if you if if everyone's healthy, then I think we have a whole bunch of offense. But now we can't get all of our defenders on the court. Now, like Herb Jones is in there, but Jose Alvarado is coming off the bench, I guess now. And but Zion's there, but JV is still playing center. So now what's our defense look like? That's not great. And we still have Ingram and CJ too. Oh no, our defense is really bad now. Okay, let's. Put some defenders out there. Uh-oh, our offense disappeared because now we got like Herb and Alvarado got to take the shots. Like, I don't, I can't figure out a way to make lineups that make sense here, even if things go well. So I don't need to play it, but I, I find a lot, a lot more. If you're playing poker, you're counting outs. I feel like I have a lot more outs to the under and to a bad season here. Like the easiest outs are just the injury playing card. But the other one too is the defense last year. Even as they started out that hot, the defense, the metrics on this team look super fluky to me. They allowed a ton of threes, but they were number one on three-point percentage defensively. We know that the numbers say, unless you're the magical Celtics who never allow opponents to make three-pointers, unless you're that over the last decade, three-point percentage is almost entirely unpredictable from one season to next, not sticky in the least bet. So they're going to force turnovers. That's the guys they have on the team if they play enough of them. But I think you play more of your stars, your defense gets worse on this roster, and the three-point kind of evens out. I think I have the defense from sixth last year. I have them at 20th this year. So I have a big drop on them. I have them below average on offense and defense, slightly. I basically have them average, but below. My win range for them is anywhere from 34 to 44 wins. So even my high-end outcome for them is not, particularly all that high but i just have very little confidence in my read on the team and the collection of players on the team and the health of the team so i just i don't need it for the pelicans i mean this is a this is a fundamental like disagreement between you and i on defense because you're more personnel based and i care a lot more about scheme because sure i've I've just seen too many guys like the chicago bulls were sixth in defense last year sixth sixth zach levine demar Derozan, and nikola vucevic sixth like i that to me is like the argument ender for Defense is systemic. You can pull if you have good enough coaching and a few like anchors to fit the scheme. You can pull almost anybody into into a decent range. And I like a lot of what I saw from the Pels defense last year. I think that they get up into guys. Um, and I think that Herb Jones and Trey Murphy are, are a big part of that. You're right that there's a lot of question marks, but a lot of this is like they have lineup versatility again when healthy. But we never know what they are. So that's a stay away for both Brandon and I. To recap, we both are heavy, heavy, heavy on the Memphis Grizzlies, both for the over and uh, derivatives. Uh, Brandon has moved the Mavericks from a bet over to a lean. Uh, I would say that I probably 
lean over like the light is the slightest <laughs> over uh brandon's already bet rockets under would you say that you would still like if somebody was entering the market you would still say it's worth a bet at 31 and a half yeah i mean I, that's why i'm yeah. presenting it that way so under 31 yeah. and a half it's even money if you if you get the the right book out there so that still is a bet for me but if you if you've been listening all along and and following along and already bet this, I'm definitely not looking to add to it. And then the Spurs under is the other best bet under 30 and a half for me. It tortures me that I don't have more bets on this division. I love this division; it's gonna be a lot of fun. But <laughs> a sharp market, I think, this year. But we'll have more in some of the other divisions. Make sure to check out buckets for all these division previews as we get them rolled out over the next couple of weeks. We'll have coverage for you in the Action Network app and on the Action Network YouTube page. We'll see you guys again next time. Until then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.